Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Guys, it was about, I would say about 26 years ago in 1997, a worship leader, if you remember him, his name was Paul Belosh. And he penned a song that we sang many, many times if you grew up in church. It was a song called, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Open the Eyes of My Heart. And and, and we sang about that all the time. But if you do some research, Paul Belosh, this worship leader, actually got this from verse 18 of chapter 1 in Ephesians. And if you do have a church background, you remember singing that. The lyrics go something like this. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. We want to see you. Do you remember that? We want to see. Most of you remember that. This is from, this is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the hook, the hook of the song right here. It rests upon the metaphor, open the eyes of my heart. Because most of you go, well, my eyes don't really, my heart doesn't really have eyes. And, and so he's saying, this is, this is where the hook comes in. It's by combining two organs. You go, which organs? Eyes and heart. Eyes and heart. Here's why. These organs provide a compelling symbol, ready, for commitment and relationship. For commitment and relationship. That's what he's going for. And then I started to think about open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. God, we want to see you. We want to see you. We want to see you high and lifted up. We want to see you in our everyday life. I started thinking, Lord, is there any place where you talked about, about your eyes being opened? And, and of course, scripture is filled with references to the opening of the eyes in the Old Testament, especially in petitions offered to God. Let me give you just one example. Daniel chapter 9, verse 18. It says, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolations and the city which is called by your name. For do we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercy. Open open your eyes, Lord. And of course, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus actually assumes the agency for opening the eyes, both spiritually and physically, to blind persons. Examples are found in Matthew chapter 9, Luke chapter 24, John chapter 9, Acts 26. For the sake of time, we can't go through those. But sometimes, Scripture joins eyes and heart metaphor. Now remember, it's very symbolic, guys. It's a symbolic, it's a compelling uh, symbol. You ready? For commitment and relationship. Commitment and relationship. So this morning, if you don't mind, I want to talk to you about opening the eyes of your heart. Symbolically, I want to talk to you about your commitment and your relationship with Jesus. You see, I believe with all of my heart that the days are short. Our time in earth is numbered. And so we need to take and take a look at our hearts and say, Lord, where is my commitment and my relationship to you? And you go, why? 
Pastor, give, give me a reason just for the sake of here's why. Because when we fully understand the riches we have in Christ, a natural byproduct is a deeper commitment to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Here's why. Listen to me. Listen. A hundred years from now, nobody's going to care what you did, how you did it. You're not even going to be remembered. I hate to tell you that. A hundred years from now, if the Lord tarries, nobody's going to go, oh, you know, Adam, I remember Adam, he was this, or I remember. They're not. They're going to go, who? But what we did for Christ is going to last forever. And how deep our commitment was. Why? Because it affects our kids, it affects our grandkids, it affects our great-grandkids, and so forth, guys. It's our commitment to Jesus. But much more sore than that, think about this. What if the Lord says, I'm going to come back soon? The trumpet is going to be sound. I'm going to call you home. I want to have that deep commitment to the Lord. You see, I don't want to be standing with one foot in the world and one foot in Christianity. Why? Because that's hard to walk, isn't it? We can't walk this way. In the same way, spiritually. Spiritually. So what does Paul do? Guys, if you're taking note, in the first 14 verses... Paul talks to the Ephesians about God. This is what he does. And now he switches gears, and now he's going to talk to God about the Ephesians. This is what's cool. So let's recap what we learned last week. By way of reminder, if you recall, we talked about how wonderful our amazing six-story high-rise, spiritually speaking. That's what we did. And all it is is our position in Christ. This is how God sees us. But you might be here wondering, well, what is my position in Christ? What does that mean? Here's what it means. Every one of us as a believer has been placed in an eternal position before God. God has reconciled us back to himself. You understand at one time we were enemies with God. We, we were not for God. We didn't go looking and honor God. And in his way, he reconciled us back to him. And we're no longer his enemies. We are now considered his friend. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Think about this. Our old position has been exchanged for a new one. The one thing the enemy wants to do in your life, you ready? He wants to have you doubt your identity in Christ. You see, he doesn't want to steal your identity. He just wants you to doubt who you are in Christ. He wants you to... Guys, think about it. The book of Ephesians is radical. It changes the way we think. It changes who we are. You see, the word of God declares to you and I, we've been made a new creation. God made that. Our spiritual birth placed us in a new position. And we're now identified with Jesus Christ. And this is true of every one of us who has opened up our heart and invited him inside. We did our series in the book of Matthew that was, he was calling us to be a disciple, to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. 
Listen, can I just say this to you? Can I admonish you for just a second? God didn't save you just to save you. He saved you to use you and bless you and, 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 and reconcile more to him. He gave you giftings that will blow your mind. But sometimes we get so caught up in who we were and the things that we failed and what we said and didn't say and we forget who we are positionally in Christ. We talked last week, if you recall, how chapter 1 opens with a beautiful Jewish-style poem. And the key thought in this chapter is the wealth of blessings you have as a Christian, spiritual blessings that are ours because we're in Christ. Think about this. Could you imagine right now all of the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies are yours? Yours. And you're still walking around poor. Oh, wait, 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 what do you mean? It's the same thing that we talked about, Hetty Green. Do you remember Hetty? Was such a miser that she died a, a gazillionaire, if you will, right now, because she didn't realize or have or, or, or grasp or appropriate the riches she has. And it's the same thing for us. It's the same thing for us. Now, if you recall, it was so amazing last week because we studied six operative words or phrases that helped us change the way we see ourselves as believers. So I've got to stop myself at this point in our Bible study and ask you, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself now after realizing that, that Paul, as you, as a believer, now again, here's what happens. We look in the mirror, if we can be honest in church, we look in the mirror, we go, I don't see what Paul sees. I don't see heavenly, wait, 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 let's go back, Lord. Lord, you told me that, well, let's use some of the, let's use some of the phrases that we talked about. Let's use some of the phrases. You go, well, where are they? Well, it says he chose us and him before the foundation of the world. So you're looking in the mirror and you go, hey, you were chosen before the foundation of the world. Before the cross, before anything was ever formed, he looked at you and said, that one's going to love me. This one's going to love me. Yes. He chose you. Wow. You go, what else? He predestined you uh, to adoption as his sons. He says, that's going to be my son. I'm going to adopt him into the family. I'm going to reconcile him. They're all, we're all going to be one big, Jew and Gentile, we're all going to be one big family. Who's up for adoption? You go, I am. I am. That's what he's saying. He's saying. Now, here's what I love. You look at the mirror, you go, why would anyone want to adopt me? People don't know who I am. If they really knew who I am, they'd kick me out of the church. If people really knew who I am, I wouldn't have any friends. If people knew who I am, God goes, I know who you are. And I love you anyway. And I'm not adopting you to go, oh, well, I want more in my family. Listen, I've got, I've got a five-bedroom mansion. I'll adopt you. That's not what he says. He goes, I love you. This is what he says. This is what, now listen, in the mirror, guys, in the mirror. It says, in him, in him, we have redemption through his blood. You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed. But the enemy of your soul comes back and says, look what you did in the past. Look how horrible you acted. What a mess you are. God could never love you. And the Lord says, go tell him to jump off a cliff. Because he says, as a believer in him, you've been redeemed by his blood. In other words, this blood's for you. This blood's for you. 
He says, he has been made known the mystery of his will, the mystery of reconciliation, the mystery of the church. Before that, everybody was like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And he says, let me, let me show you. Let me show you. Is it the mystery? Doesn't that blow you away? Why? Because when you got a believer, another believer, there's something. You, you come from two different walks of life. You would never have anything in common, but when you're believers, you're brothers, you're sisters. It's amazing. And in your heart, you're like, oh, it's my brother. It's my brother Francis over there. Yeah. We look a lot alike. You go, no, you don't. No, we don't. But let me say this. Francis is a nice guy, and he's got a great personality. But if I didn't know Francis, and Francis wasn't a believer, and I wasn't a believer, we pretty much would not hang out. Or talk to each other. He'd be in the grocery store. I'd see him. Oh, look at that guy. But something happens, guys, when we're redeemed. We're like, oh, wow. When we have this mystery, we see this. But it also says, in him, we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that because Paul's going to bring that up in his prayer. So I want you to keep keep an open mind about this. But I love the last one. He says, having believed, how many of you believed? You go, I do. He says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed. You were sealed. Pastor, I sin though. Sometimes I have a bad attitude. Sometimes I make a wrong choice. You know what I love about something that's sealed? He doesn't unseal you. He, he just loves you enough to say, hey, listen, I know you've blown it. Why don't you confess that and, and repent and, and come back? You see, many of us have, a, have sometimes a wrong idea of God that he's got his arms crossed like this going, do it one more time. Do it. <laughs> Try it. Oh, there it is. Unseal him. Holy Spirit, get out of him. This is, no, that's no place. He, no. We think that, that God is this, this big spiritual judge that's got a spiritual billy club that wants to knock us over the head. Now, I don't sit there and say, you guys go out and sin. Of course not. That's not our nature anymore. That's not our nature. But sometimes we do. Sometimes, married men, you get angry with your wives. Now you, Joe, you're, you're good. Yeah. And now Beverly's hitting you like this, like, yeah, right. I know none of you women are stubborn in here. I know that. You're not, it's not, not me. Okay, church is over. After that, she needs to be up here preaching. We're not worthy. She's perfect. Of course not. We all sin, but he doesn't unseal us, does he? It's the seal of the Holy Spirit going, oh. Oh, listen, someone packaged it like this, and I love this. Listen to, he says, he blessed us immensely. He chose us unconditionally. He adopted us, adoring us. He redeemed us graciously. He forgave us completely. He showed us grace lavishly. He revealed his mystery wisely. He granted us an inheritance eternally. He sealed us permanently He guaranteed our salvation personally. Isn't that cool? This is what he did. This is what he did. Now, the purpose of the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, is to get deep in your soul who you are in Christ. 
Because he's going to tell us in chapters 4, 5, and 6 how we should behave. How we should be witnessing. How we should be loving people. How we should be loving people back to life. How, you ready? Come on, somebody. Ooh, I feel it in my soul. How we should be loving the unlovables. Amen. Yeah, not an amen time. That's not a place for an amen. You go, why? Because that's the hardest thing to do is to love those that are unlovable, aren't they? Oh, those ones that rub you, rub you the wrong way. I'm not going to love them. I'm going to take a ruck and throw it on. I just love them. And God goes, I want you to love them. You know what I found about, about people who he's calling you to love? It's usually in your workplace, isn't it? It's usually somebody who's, oh, I called you to love them. Why, Lord? Why can't I pray like David? David said, knock out their teeth. And God says, hey, are you my kid? Yeah. I want you to love them. I want you to love them. He wants us to love that. And, 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 and really, here's the key. Listen, to love each other in this church, easy thing. Easy thing. Okay? I don't know Jeremiah that well. Been coming just a few weeks. Love the dude. It's just, this is how, it's easy. He's easy to love. Right? But the, but the ones that are hard, those are hard to love. Those are hard to love. And God is calling us to do that. Church, do you know what we can do in our city? If you were to adopt, God, this is who I am. I need to go out and I need to love the unlovable. I need to witness. I need to share. I need to do good. Yesterday, I had to do a funeral for the family that had visited two weeks ago. And Norma and Larry showed up at the funeral. You go, what's the big deal? Norma and Larry don't know these people. They don't know these people. But the love of Christ in her heart was compelled to go and, and, and just, just be there. Just be there. Because they knew, they knew exactly what loving like Christ means. You know what it means? You ready? And this is way off my notes, so this is free. This is, I'm not even going to charge you for this one. It means being inconvenienced, doesn't it? I just want to go home and sit in my recliner. I've had a hard day. I'm busy. Someone calls you, hey, can we have a cup of coffee? I'm really struggling. <sighs> right now? 7.45, i got my pajamas on. You sure right now? Can you make it till tomorrow? I can do it. It, it means being inconvenienced, doesn't it? Showing the love of Christ. It means, you ready? It means letting somebody get that parking space that you've been waiting for for five minutes. It means letting somebody cut in front of you. What does it mean to win somebody to the Lord, to love somebody like Jesus? It's compassion, it's grace, it's mercy, but it's inconvenient in our lives. Because when you're going to disciple somebody, when you're going to walk with somebody, it's 24-7. It's 24-7. Think about it. Think about this. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. When a little baby begins to walk, 
you know, when their head is too big and they don't, they, you know what I mean, for their body and they can't get their balance. It's the most exciting thing for us, isn't it? Oh, he walked, look, he walked. He took three steps. Boom. When he falls, none of you go, oh, I can't believe this. Are you from your father's side? You can't even walk two steps. We don't do that, do we? We pick them up and go, okay, try again. And they walk and they walk. But see, you're there every step of the way. And when you're discipling and you're loving somebody, every step of the way, they're going to stumble and fall. And you don't go, oh, well, if you would read the Bible like me, you wouldn't do You pick up and you go, come on, I know you're, let's go. And eventually, you can say, hey, there you go. And they're walking. And then they take somebody and they disciple somebody. And they take somebody and disciple. And guess what? All of a sudden, Healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. Now that was free, not even in my notes. The Lord bless you. Let's move on. So Paul, in the first 14 verses, he moves from the praise of the blessing. Everybody understand how how blessed you are in Christ? Give me an amen. Amen. How blessed we are. He moves from that, and now he's going to pray for you. That you, that you and I would open the eyes of our understanding. Some of your translations might say, open the eyes of our heart. Why? So that we might be open to know the hope of our calling, what the riches of our inheritance is as the saints, and the power, everybody say power. power. Say it again. Because if you get this, it's going to change your life. The power of God available to us in the Christian life. You see, sometimes we'll pray for somebody to stop doing drugs. We'll pray for somebody to stop watching pornography. We'll pray for somebody to stop gambling, so forth, so forth, so forth. What we need to pray is they would understand the power they already have. That's, he's going to get to that later. God, if you could just see the strength in them. Wow. Oh, you Ben, are you saying it's wrong to pray? No, it's not wrong to pray that they stop doing these things, but they need to know the power they have. You need to know the power you have as Christ in you so you can live victoriously. So when the devil comes and says, hey, you want to go party? You want to go? Listen, we're over here. You go, that's empty. That's empty stuff. I know where that leads. Nah. Well, what's wrong? I mean, we used to... What happened? She discovered the power of God inside her. Okay, it's going to get good. It's going to get good. So let's jump in. You ready? Paul's praying. Paul's praying. Ephesians 1.15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, whenever we see a therefore... We need to see what it's there for. So we have to go back to the previous verses and begin looking for the application. If you're taking note, jot this down. Whenever you see a therefore, that's application. This is He's going to begin to give us an application. Okay, So you need to see that. He says, because I'm assuming every one of you in this church understands the riches you have in Christ. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies, you get that. He goes, because you get this, He says, man, I'm praying for you. Therefore, ever since I first heard. So Paul is saying, ever since I've 
first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. Oh my goodness, we need to unpack this verse. Why? Because this is foundation in our lives. This is foundation. How so? In order for you and I to reach our city, Lubbock, Texas, in order for you and I to reach those, in order for you and I to reach those that are far from Christ, for you and I to be a witnessing church, a loving church, you ready? We must have a strong faith in the Lord. You have to. You have to. Now, notice what I said. I didn't say you needed to be a theologian. Well, let me talk to you about, uh, you know, all of it. You, you don't, you just need to have a strong faith in the Lord. Okay? You must love God above everything else. You with me? Second, jot this down. You must have a love for God's people. You must have a love for God's people. You must have a love for the church. I didn't get an amen on that. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. But you realize what I'm saying. In God's church, there are a lot of strangies. Right? There are a lot of weirdos. God's family is crazy weird. A lot of misfits. Crazy. But we're called to love each other because, because of that. Because you look in the mirror and you go, I'm a misfit. I should be on the misfit island, you know, where all the misfit toys are. That's me. I mean, guys, when you love God, a natural byproduct in your life is that you're going to love his people. Even if they don't look like you or act like you, you're going to love them. Tell me why. Because they love God. They love God. They love God. So Paul writes, ever since, therefore. So what does he do? He connects the prayer from the preceding blessing. Paul's thanksgiving for God's plan of salvation. He says, in Christ, verses 3 through 14, overflows in what? Into prayer. This is what he It's an overflow. He's like, oh my gosh, look at you. Look at you. I'm not sure if Paul got with the other disciples and he says, you know, man, I've been to Ephesus and those people are just really weird in Ephesus, man. And there's one lady there. I mean, sheesh. She drives me crazy. I tried preaching the gospel and she says this and this. What do you think, Peter? I don't know. Paul says, I love them. They're strange. He looks beyond and he sees the heart of Christ in them. He looks beyond that. He doesn't go, oh, this and that, this and that. He looks beyond that. In order for you and I to reach those that are far from God, we need faith. We need faith. Look at your Bibles, guys. Verse 15. Circle that word for faith. Because that's one of the things that if your heart is hard and you have a cynical to those in the body of Christ, I would ask you to do a heart check and start with faith. Start with faith. Why? Because the word faith here I found is very interesting. It's made up of two words. It's, 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 it's where we get the word believe, but it's, it's made up. This word right here is pistis and pitheo. Pistis and pitheo. You go, what's that mean? Well, the Greek word pistis means persuaded to have reliance in Christ for salvation. So you have to settle the fact that you're saved. You have to settle that. The second one is, is pitheo, and it means to be convinced with confidence. 
If you're going to be a witnessing church, if you're going to be a loving church, if you're going to go and be inconvenienced for the glory of God, you have to have a reliance upon Christ for your salvation, and you have to be convinced with confidence. Okay, Lord, I got this. This is who I am. This is who I am. Well, how do I get faith? How do I get this pisteo? How do I get this pithio? How do I, how do I do this? Well, the Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. The word of God. There are a lot of distractions in our world today. Your phone, your tablet, your TV. There's a lot of distractions, guys. But my encouragement to you and to me was to be in the word of God so that we grow in faith. Be in the word of God. Be in the word of God. Well, what else do I need to do? The Bible says you need to love. Okay? And if you have a pencil handy and you're not afraid to write in your neighbor's Bible, go ahead and circle that for them. Because Paul employs the word agape. Agape. And this is a love that we get unconditional. This is unconditional. Everybody say unconditional. Unconditional. You know what that means? Unconditional love is that you love somebody with no conditions, no strings attached. That's how you love them. Unconditional. But it also means affection and benevolence and love and charity. And I find it interesting that Paul uses this word ten times. Agape. Agapeo. And he uses it in 1 Corinthians 11 times. 11 times. You go, what do you mean? Here's the thing, guys. We need to love people with no strings attached. I love you. I love you. Agape. It's the same way. Men. Men. This is the husbands. This is the same word that Paul employs later on in this in chapter six. He says, "You need to agape your wives. You need to love them unconditionally." We can get that at a different time. We'll talk about that because they were like, "Oh man!" If you remember last week, the Siamese twins we learned were grace and peace. Grace and peace. Paul always says grace and peace. Well, these are, again, these go hand in hand. Faith and love. Faith and love. Faith and love. Both of them at the same time go hand in hand. Paul writes, again, let's look at it. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your great faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, he says, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I think that's so sweet. Wouldn't you love the Apostle Paul to be praying for you? But I'll give you one better. The Lord Jesus in heaven right now is interceding for you. He's going, you see Raina? I'm praying for her. I'm praying for her. She's going to make it. But I'm right there. See, the Lord Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you. And I love that Paul says, listen, I've never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you consistently. Guys, let's take a step back and let's look at our walks. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be more like him. Am I, um, am I praying for people? Am I really praying for people? And am I thanking God for them? Am I thanking God for them? Am I thanking them not because what they can do for me or not do for me, Am I thanking God for, for those that, I mean, I mean, this is Paul. He says, man, it's the Ephesian church. Been there three years. I got to know people. And I have not stopped thanking God for you. 
As a matter of fact, I pray for you constantly. Constantly praying for you. What's my prayer? What's his prayer? Well, notice he starts in verse 17. What's my prayer? That I thank that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, here's his prayer, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Your attention, please. Notice what Paul prays. I'm telling you right now, in the Ephesian church back in this day, they had people who were struggling just like you and I. They had people who had doubts. They had people who just struggled in their walk with God. There were probably some men in the Ephesian church that were lusting. There were probably some crooks in the Ephesian church struggling to go, Lord, I'm just trying to walk with you. There were probably some folks just like us who doubted who God was. I don't know, Lord, I'm struggling with you. I want to hear from you, and I feel like I'm in a desert. Paul realizes that it's not necessarily I need to pray for this, Because I know if I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, those things can be resolved. Y'all not getting it. You're not getting it because it's like, wow. We gather together as a church and we pray. And yes, we lift up, Lord, please. And we pray for healing and you go, amen. And we pray for those that are struggling with drugs and we pray for those that are struggling in their walks with God. But what Paul goes, he says, listen, here's my prayer for them. Here's my prayer for the Ephesian church. Ready? He says, I am praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Here's what he's saying. The more you know him, the less you're going to be tempted to do those things that are not pleasing to him. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. Here's why. Think about this. He's asking the Holy Spirit. He'll give you wisdom and insight so that you could grow in the knowledge of him. Can I tell you one of the most frustrating things that we experience is we're not growing. I want to grow deeper with him. God, show me. Show me. You see, Paul makes this request in order that the church may gain a deeper insight and understanding in the knowledge of God. What for? So that you and I can comprehend the things of God and what God wants us to share with people. Walk with God. You see, it's not that we're walking around holier than thou. Look at me. I go to Calvary Chapel. I'm just, I have a deep walk with God. How about you? That's not it. It's that you walk, oh, Lord, thank you. Listen to me. You can look beyond someone's physical appearance to the brokenness of their heart. That's what Paul's saying. We can look beyond a physical appearance and say, oh man, I'm I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would know God even closer. Even closer. He says, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Everybody see that? This is to say that the Lord 
has removed their spiritual blindness, giving them the ability to comprehend and appreciate the things of the kingdom. Can you imagine? It's like, wow, the eyes and understanding. You see, he gives that when you first got saved. The scales fell. You went, I need Jesus. (laughs) I need the Lord. I'm not going to make it without him. And you open up your heart and you get saved. And you go, I'm saved. I'm saved. Saved. Christian. Saved. Born again. Yes. Same thing. But he doesn't want you to stop there. He wants you to continue to grow and in in, in be enlightened. And he says, let me pray for this. You ready? I'm going to pray for the hope of his calling in your life. His calling. The hope of our calling is direct. Listen, it's directly connected with our future inheritance. We have an external home waiting for us in heaven. If I'm your enemy, I would want to create doubt of that home. I would want to create doubt. Well, you're not worthy to go. You haven't been a good little boy or girl. You're not worthy. You're past. You did this. Not even your past. Your present. Paul says, no, no, no. Listen, you need to, you need to see. Ooh, the hope. I have. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What would be the benefit of, of, of me knowing that I have an external home waiting for me in heaven? I won't have to strive. It's already done. And it frees me up to love people. I just love people. What happens when you die? I go to heaven. That's why Paul wrote, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He, he understood this. He understood this. So why does the enemy create doubt? Why does the enemy create doubt? Because he wants us to take part. Oh, I worked for my salvation. I did a little bit of this. I did this. I did this. No, we need to put that to bed. If you are in Christ, the hope of your calling is you have eternal home already. You have the hope. When you close your eyes and take your final, you're going to open them and you're glorious with the Lord Jesus in heaven. In heaven. In heaven. And, and I love that Paul's going to break this down a little further, but let, let's, let's just, it's, it's so much here. I want to back up a bit and talk about what it means to open the eyes of our heart. Okay? See, Paul is praying. You guys picture Paul praying. He's praying that God will give us spiritual wisdom and insight so that we grow in the knowledge of God. How do we grow? You ready? He wants us to grow in him by experience. By experience. He wants us to experience who God is. There's a lot of ways we can experience God, but let me tell you this. There's one way that's not real popular. It's by suffering. It's by suffering. Several years ago, we got the diagnosis that my wife had breast cancer and that it could potentially spread and she could die. That news, guys, that news, again, it, 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 it prompted my wife to walk closer to Jesus. She grew by experience. There will be times in our lives when we will have to suffer these things. This world is rotten. There's disease. There's all this stuff. He wants us to know him by experience. 
And so what Paul is praying for you today is that your hearts would be flooded with light and you would understand the confident hope that he's given to those that he called. Here's your hope. Here's your hope. You have a God who created universes, not just a milk vast amount of his power is so great and he's walking with you and he's blessing you and he loves you and he has all this and he's saying hey listen here's the thing you're going to be safe i got this heaven waiting for you you with me and we still struggle because the enemy whispers if you would have been a better mom if you would have been a better dad if you would have done this if you would have done not done if you would have just this 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 and so we get depressed and we're going yeah he's right he's not right This is who you are. He wants their hearts flooded, flooded with light so that we can understand the riches we have in Christ so that we can go out and minister to the... Listen, when you have something in abundance, you want to give it away. Why do you want to hoard it up? Why do you want to hoard it up? You have the... I have a lot of riches. What are you going to do with that? I'm going out to the world. Hey, you got to have this too. You got to have this too. Please don't be hoarders of God's riches. Please don't be hoarders like like Hetty Green where you have all this money but you won't tap into it and you won't give to anybody else. And you'll allow your kid's leg to be cut off because you're so busy looking for a free clinic. Spiritually speaking, you're all... Man, I've got to tell somebody about Jesus. I've got to wait. Listen. I've got a lot of riches. God's given me, he's blessed me so much. I love the fact that Paul gives us two amazing reasons that we should do this. We should go out and reach those that are far from Christ. You know, what? you know why? Because he says, first of all, God is our inheritance. Listen, guess what you get when you die? Guess what you get when you're alive? God, that's your inheritance. You get God. Let the world have all their stuff. You get God. But not only that, the Bible says that we are his inheritance. And so often think we high-five each other and we're so blessed that God is our inheritance. However, in this verse, Paul suggests, look at it, that we're also God's inheritance. You're God's inheritance. Can I tell you? Nobody messes with God's inheritance. Let me give you a simple illustration. You're sitting at your home. There's a knock on the door. Nobody knocks anymore. They use the doorbell. But let's just say he knocks. You go to the door and you see it's the devil and his demons. You're like, oh, you know what you do? You're God's inheritance. You go, Lord, it's for you. And the Lord comes to the door and says, what do you want? Oh, we didn't know you were here. Exactly. Why? Because he's not going to let anybody get to you. Now, the things that you go through, come on, somebody. The things that you go through have to go through the Father first. And if their father filtered, you go, okay, Lord, help me to learn. Help me to grow. Everybody say grow. grow. Say it again. He's called, he's called for us to grow, to grow in him. We never stop growing. Let me give you, let me, let me sound real, um, um, theol- like a theologian. Let me sound real, you know, let me sound real, real smart. It's called progressive sanctification. Doesn't that sound real smart? Make me look smart. It just means you're growing to be like Christ and, and, and you won't graduate until you die, until you're glorified, glorification. But you're going to grow like him. Here's the point. Let me see. You go, Ben, I'm not sure if I'm growing. Are you different today than you were last year? Have you grown more this year? That's the key. 
Do you have a deeper walk with the Lord? Is your heart, does your eyes water up when you read the scriptures? Does your heart break when you think of the millions of people who are dying today that are going to go to hell? Does it break? Are you hurting? Lord, if you could use me, if you could use me. I'm I'm here. The the Lord says the the harvest is plentiful. The the laborers are few. Send me, Lord. Send me. Send me. Guys, Paul says that we fully grasp the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. Calling or called is used in reference to salvation in, in, in two different senses. There's a general call. Right? The gospel goes out to people. Jesus used this when he said, many are called, but few are chosen. The invitation goes out to everyone. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. But many ignore that invitation or make up excuses when they cannot respond. It's like when you're invited to a party and and they ask you to RSVP. They want you to go to the party. They're inviting you. And you say, yes, two will be in attendance. And you send it back. But there are a lot of people who get the who get the invitation to be with Jesus forever, and they go, "Eh, come on, church, you know what we do." I'll get to it in a, I'll get to it in a little bit. I'll get to hey, hey, honey, did you send out that RSVP? No, I thought you did. No, I did. Where is it? It's in the stack of I don't, huh? Well, they'll know I'm coming anyway. No, they won't. The Lord says you need to RSVP. RSVP. And here's the point. When you RSVP and you send it off, you don't worry about it anymore, do you? Oh, did they get it? I don't know if they got it. I don't know. Are we still welcome? I don't know. Why don't you call? Call them, call them and see if we're still... Is it okay? Did they get... You send it off, you say two are coming, and that's it. And then you wait for the party. It's the same way in Christianity, guys. When, 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 when your hope of your calling is already in heaven, it's already, you're already up there. It's in. Okay. Amen. So what do we do down here while we're waiting for the party? What do we do? Oh, we share the riches of Christ. Guess why? Because the party, everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. Hey, you're invited to a party. Cool. What party is it? Let me tell you, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. He's got a place for you in heaven. Do you want to RSVP? Okay. And what does that person do? Share the riches of Christ. That's what Paul's trying to tell us, okay? But just like some of you in a late night Ginsu knives order, right? When you're, when you're late night shopping, what do they say? But wait, there's more. There's more in the scripture. You ready? Verse 19. That what is exceedingly greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ, which he raised him from the dead, and he seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. Now catch what Paul is saying, church, that we as Christians may know the immeasurable greatness of his power available to those who believe. That is amazing. This power of God, which Paul is speaking about, is the very power that employed when He raised Christ from the dead. That's the same power available to you. 
I've got power, power, wonder working. Right? That's the same power. Listen, God desires to employ this awesome power on our behalf for our spiritual benefit and for the accomplishment of his good purpose. We want to live victorious as Christians. We want to, listen, listen, let me, let me just say this. I don't want my Christian life to be a roller coaster. I'm up, I'm down. I'm up, I'm down. I'm another, <laughs> one of those roller coasters, right? I'm upside down. Here's how I want my life. I want the power of God so that I have a steady grow, a steady climb. Yes, Lord. Oh, yeah, there's going to be valleys at time, but I'm just, okay, Lord. This, this, this is what he's trying to get. This is what he's trying to get at. The Apostle Paul is praying, and it's God's desire that we may know. You know what that word know means? That we may experience and rely upon the power, this awesome power. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us. That's the same power. In everyday life, everyday life. How many of you are tapping into that power before you go to work? God, fill me with your spirit. I have this power. I want to I want to live victoriously with you at work. I want to live victoriously. You might you, Listen, your job, listen to me. Your job is a mission field. There are people who are coming in that need Jesus desperately. Have that power. Lord, here you go. Here you go. Share some of those riches at your job. Share some of those riches. Then Paul does something amazing. He explains it even more. Look at verse 21. Far above all principality and power, might and dominion, that every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one that is to come, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. If Jesus is the head, then the community of Christians make up his body. And here's the idea. The idea is the fullness of him is probably connected to the manner in which Jesus filled his church with his presence and his blessing. Quote David Guzik, that's what he wrote. We are seated positionally with him in the heavenlies. Where we have power, where we have peace, and where we have victory. Of course, all these blessings are, well, they're really only for those who meet the conditions set forth in verses 1 and 2. Note that Paul writes to the living saints, not the dead ones. People who have put their faith in Christ, these are saints. These are set-apart ones. And they have experienced God's grace and are now enjoying God's Peace. Nowhere does the Bible teach that the church uh, makes people saints. Only God can make a sinner a saint. We talked about that last week. And the sinner must become a saint while he's still alive. Because after the death is the judgment, Hebrews 9.27. So think about what he's saying. Here's his prayer. His prayer is that you would your heart would open and that you would see him. You would experience him. Listen, church, can we agree? I've read the Bible and incredible stuff happened. God moved mightily. I want to see that today. I want to see that today. 
In the book of Acts, they sat there and the doors flew open and a mighty rushing wind came in and everyone was speaking in tongues and it was great revival. I don't want to just read about it. I want to experience it. I want to experience it. Do you want to experience that? You see, church can't be just like, well, we got a church. Amen. Hurry up, Pastor. Can't wait to go to Rosa's. Oh, he made me say words today again. Okay. That's not church. Not church. Kevin and go, wow, Lord, your word is alive. I want to see. I want to see something happen. I want to, this is good. This is okay. Open the eyes of my heart. God, open the eyes of my heart. I want to, I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart. Verse 18. Open the eyes. God, God, listen, listen. The Lord Jesus, the Father, God, you, um, that the Spirit gives wisdom and revelation of knowledge and the eyes of understanding. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you in my workplace. I want to see you in my home. I want to see you in my neighborhood. I want to see this place. I want to see this place filled up. Open the eyes of my heart. But I want to see you high and lifted up. This is the Lord. Now, we've talked about a lot of stuff, and as we close... Here's what I want to do. We, we're, we're, we, we finished chapter one, and we barely got into it. And I'm just like, man, and I got to shoot straight with you. I don't even feel like I'm doing this justice. It's so deep. It's so deep. But think about what God is doing, and think about how the enemy wants to rob you. He wants to rob you because he doesn't want you to know the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you every single day. And he walks with you. And he talks with you. Okay, I'm going to step on your toes. Permission to step on toes? Yeah, only half of you are like, don't step on my toes. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit lives in us, and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead walks with us victoriously, come on somebody. We have grace, and we have peace, and we have faith, and we have love. Okay, I'm going to step on your toes. Ready? Why do we walk around so bummed? Oh, man, I can feel, the, I can feel you guys staring me down already. Like, this is the last time I come to this church. Is it not true? We walk around so bummed. We're like, How are you doing? I'm a Christian. We're the Christian or aren't we? How are you doing? Great, I guess. You want to be a Christian too? And look like you? No. Why do we tell me why we do that, church? Because we allow the enemy to come in and rob us of what the word of God is telling us. Paul, under the power of the Holy Spirit, thought so so much about this. And he says, Man, God chose you. He chose you. He predestined you. He said, man, I've got a house. Do you want to come live here? He adopted you. He redeemed you. Oh, man. Oh, oh, oh by the way, he gave you and oh, he sealed you. He sealed you. He sealed you. And now I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you understand that. I'm going to pray that your eyes of your heart are open so that you can live victoriously. But wait, there's more. But you'll have to come back next week in chapter 2. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Lord, we ask that you open the eyes of our heart. We want to see you. 
we want to see you. Father, thank you that true blessings exist in the eternal realm and the heavenly places. Lord, help us to grasp that. While physical blessings can come and go, blessings in Christ remain forever. So open our hearts. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.